Raising twins deep in protective woods sounds like an ideal task. But when the kids are dangerously magical and just learning how to control their abilities, life can get dicey. Michael Talbot prepares for a difficult trial while his wife Azeel, the powerful Red Witch, is called away on urgent matters and he is left alone in charge of his challenging offspring. Fortunately, Uncle Matthew, werewolf, and Brewmaster arrives to help out. It should have been a swell reunion for them, but conspiracy and war are upon them overnight, and they become embroiled in diabolical machinations that no spell of protection can hide from them. Lycan, craven flesh-rendering beast, and sworn enemies of the humans are once again preparing to enslave the remnants of humanity, and dark, otherworldly sources are backing their claim to rule the land. Entities created to extinguish existence have been loosened on the netherworld and the multiverse is balanced on a knife's edge. Suddenly, no one is safe and the Talbot children have become targets of inestability of great worth. Will Azil's power and Michael's supernatural abilities be sufficient to protect them? This is the opening salvo. If the Talbots manage to hold back the tide of evil, will heaven and hell crash upon them and wipe the slate clean? Find out in Like and Fallout Book 6, Resurgence. This is the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. All right, we are here. Like in Fallout 6, if you read Book 5, you know that it doesn't end like it says it did, but... It continued afterward and said, I may continue this series later on, but I'll do it with the kids. And that's their story to tell and everything. So you kind of had an idea, a little teaser that he was going to do it. And then bang, he comes out with book six or book seven. If you follow along in the series of order, because Demon Followed is kind of book, the unofficial book five or however you want to word it. So it'll always be book five in my heart. There you go. Uh-huh. So I took notes as always. And the first question I have, and I know we talked about this before, and I think Aaron, you were on this episode when we did it, but, and who the f- is Polina? I have no clue who this is. <laughs> I've listened to every story. Oh my God, thank okay. you. Okay, so you're on the same boat as me. Who's Polina? Was she in uh-huh. a story? Cause I don't remember her being in any of the like and fallouts. Zombie fallout, like and fallout. She's mentioned in uh, the one with the alternate worlds. She's mentioned like, in all of them? Like, she gets okay. mentioned in a lot of the books. But, like, I, I was going to ask you guys if you knew what the origin of her was. I mean, this is obviously kind of an origin then. So what were the other books yeah. that she was mentioned in? Did we do these ones, Amber? She's been, she's been mentioned, like... And every single book, or the damn near every single series of books, it's like I pissed off a demigod, uh, I pissed off a female god, like I pissed off Poena, like she, like he pissed her off, like that is clear. But what <laughs> and and how that happened, I have not found that out yet. Okay, so I know he says he pissed off a demigod, but I didn't know that was actually that I didn't know Poena was the name of the demigod that he did. So, and I haven't read Zombie Fallout in. You know, I read the new book when it, I read them when it came out, but I haven't revisited the old series because I've been so busy binge listening all the other ones. I mean, I don't think she was mentioned in Indian Hill. I don't know. Definitely nope. wasn't mentioned in Distance. I don't think she was mentioned in maybe Spirit Clearing, but I not by name. I don't know. 
I don't remember it. And I, I look back at my notes. I'm like, where the hell? I, I know I must have this somewhere. And I'm like, I, I don't. So I figured I'd ask, ask the experts, which is you guys, because obviously I don't know shit. I have not, I have not heard reference. I feel like this is one of those things where Mark thought it would be cool to mention her and be like, yo, I'm going to do a spinoff book. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Then he ate an edible and forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think happened. That's it's, what I think happened. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I thought it was the, uh, the African zombie princess. I really thought that was her. I was like, oh, it's got to be her. And oh, oh, yeah. from, from 19? Uh, from, yeah, the most recent one. With the monkeys, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they were in Africa doing the whole, you know, game of death tower mm -hmm. with all the, the crazy ones. So, uh, yeah, I like this story. I like how he continued mm -hmm. it. Uh, I love the kids. They're funny as shit. Uh, it's great. Do you guys audible or are you did you read it? Audible. Audible. OK. Why does Matthew have a Spanish accent now? I hate it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm so over it. All right, it's not just me that yeah. realized that. Like, wait, he's got an accent now? Yeah, I just couldn't figure I it out. Notice. I was like, did this guy, this guy, uh, Sean must have like did another book or something and yep. then just like, all right, this is this is this guy's new voice. I'm a fuck everybody's world. <laughs> you were going to say, Chris, the flow of the show is if you got something to say, just jump in, dude. I didn't. I didn't even notice the accent change because, yep. like, been there's been several series since I finished the Lycan Fallout Five, and mm -hmm. I familiarized myself with the previous books by listening to the podcast. So, well, thank I think you I, for doing that. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we didn't screw you up too much. I know I. I'll be the first one to tell you. I, I kind of go off on a tangent sometimes, and sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So. That's why I put people like you on to make me look better. So if you want to be smart, you surround yourself with smarter people. That's just how it is. That's what they say. So, all right. So I got this. I love the skunk. I love squirrel. He's, I've always, I was always a Pepe Le Pew fan growing up. And I always wanted a pet skunk. And I always said when I was a kid, I'm going to get a pet skunk. I'm going to de-stink the ass and I'm going to have it as a pet. And my mother's like, you ain't bringing a skunk into my house. I don't think so. Uh, uh -huh. But I thought it was great that he's got a pet skunk. And he named him Squirrel. For, which is hilarious. Which is great. Yeah. I love, you know, that's just that, that's just fantastic. I absolutely love that. Um, Can we talk about the range of Mark's, sorry, not Mark, but uh, Mike's pets that he's had? Through? I mean, so he's got the bacon seed he's got the little he's got the little pig mm -hmm. then he's got three four dogs four dogs five dogs with augie yeah there's been a lot a cat and then we got yeah yep, the cat he's got the cat <laughs> good he hates cats he true, hates cats true. yes but i think the cats is always like a, the wife's because sebastian is azil's cat Yep. Oh, I, was, I was talking about the uh the the damn what the hell is the cat that was in zombie fallout? Patches. Yeah, the one in here. Yeah, patches. Yeah, patches, patches. is in. Yeah, um, the one that runs things. What's the dog book? Riley book of Riley too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was in um uh the one where they left Etna Station. Yeah, yeah, when they left Etna Station, they had like a first person perspective of Patches and Henry, I think, then Riley. Ben Ben. Yeah. Was Ben Ben one of his pets, or was that just one yes. of the neighboring pets that? He acquired. Yeah, it's in the family. In yes. the family. And he got Ben when he got Riley. 
like as well as got patches when they all came together at mm-hmm. uh, back to Ron's house is when he got those animals. Gotcha. Because Ben, Ben and Riley are in book of Riley together in patches. So it's Ben, Ben, Riley in patches. I've only read book one or half of book one of uh book of Riley. That's what I'm actually reading. So when I have, you know, I'm waiting for my wife in the car or something like that. I'm like, Hey, I can read a little bit more. Cause I never have time to just actually sit and read a story. Uh, so got kind of working on that one's taken forever it's been about a year but you know i kind of know what happens <laughs> zombies take over and perspective of the animals so, yeah um so books is that it for the animals i think that's so. it for the animals right yeah i don't think he had one he didn't have one in did he have one in spirit clearing no no he didn't have one in spirit no wait they had a cat they did have a cat but they only mentioned it like one time like they they did have a cat though when they lived together oh that's right because when she passed away he was wondering about taking care of the cat and everything else mm-hmm. and the cat would bring mice into the house at the end uh when he bought the, when he buys the house and the shit yep. hits the fan so i think that's it no birds yeah. <laughs> nothing so all right uh start off with mike talking with Aliana and MJ. They're doing their thing. Azil is there. Azil says, I've been summoned. I have to go away. We don't know. She doesn't know who summoned her. It was just like, I guess there's a witch's coven over in England. And she's got to go over there. There's no planes. So she's got to go old school Mayflower on a ship. Aliana tells Mike when he leaves that she snuck out the other night, went out to River Rock, which is... So Azil has a bubble around their house of protection. So if people get close to the house, they think that they're lost because they can't see the house. It's kind of shrouded. They get lost. They think that they're lost and they kind of move out in a different direction. So they, they won't be found. Uh, it's great having a witch in the house and all of that. Hang on. My light just went out. Um, so, but the kids are also witches in MJ is a warlock if you want to, you know, get technical what a, a male witch is. And they're cool as shit with their powers, man. I think it's hilarious. And they got that whole twin thing that they do and they bust each other's balls and they just, they're all over each other. They're kind of my my two new favorite characters. I mean, granted, they're new to the whole series, but I, I don't know he's going to do more because the book ends with a cliffhanger. I'm glad that he brought them in and he decided to do the story with the kids because they're awesome. You know, uh-huh. I, I want twins now. I mean, I can't have them, you know, medically for, uh, you know, surgical purposes. And believe me, you don't want me having any more kids. But if I did, I don't want to have two twins like this because they're pretty cool and fun. <laughs> I think this book had the best community in it. Like you had just. Everybody, like, I'm not going to spoil anything because we got a lot of people to talk about, but just everybody in here and how mm-hmm. all the relationships work together. And how, I mean, there's been books where, you know, just one or two people here. I mean, I probably the biggest one was ZF whenever it was, you know, Trip, Stephanie, the brother, you know, Gary, um, the other brother, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all the two phones, but this one's got like the biggest community from different walks of life because it was mostly just you know mike's family and then a couple people that he brought in but this time it's like you know he's got different races he's got different forms of magic and it's just like this is one of the most 
I think it's got the most layers of personality, in my opinion, out of all of his books. I really appreciated it. It was like a lot of really cool relationships in this book and how everybody kind of got along and didn't get along. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I, I I thought that was fantastic about this this story. So, Chris, what were you going to say? Uh, I just I like MJ. He's one of, <laughs> he's one of my favorite new characters. Yeah, um, reminds me a lot of myself. You know, almost sticking my foot in my mouth all the time. Mm-hmm. My dad trying to get my sister in trouble, and then you know I almost in trouble because of it. So, I could I could definitely relate to the MJ, and That's I could out. definitely see Michael in him. So. Yeah, that's how it is when you got siblings that are close to each other. You know, they're they're either their best friends or they're they're the worst of enemies. Yep. You know, and um, I, I think it's great how we the book actually physically starts off with Mike asking where his keys are to a Jeep that he doesn't own and that probably doesn't exist. Or if it does, it's up on blocks because, you know, there's no gas, there's no anything. But he's trying to keep yeah. some sense of normalcy in his life. And the best thing is he mm-hmm. can have is... Where are my keys? I lost my keys. That's such a guy thing, like to lose your keys. And she's like, your cheese? Because I think Azil is so baffled that he's asking for his keys. She's not <laughs> thinking he's looking for keys to something he doesn't have. Like, why is this idiot asking for this? What the hell are you talking about? I thought that was great. And then the whole Harry Potter thing, because I know Mark was just was reading, was listening to the Harry Potter series. So I love that he worked <laughs> that in. And it was that was fantastic. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was the that was one of my favorite parts. I think I fell in love with AJ as soon as he um I mean MJ as soon as he um started uh using that accent with please mother he beats us to the stars. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Yeah I was like that is hilarious. Yep. Yep. That is yep. absolutely hilarious. Oh, and just for a quick uh little bit of funny time, uh my wife's never watched any of the Harry Potter movies. So um I caught her when she she we just watched the first Harry Potter. And mm-hmm. I caught her when, you know, Voldemort's behind that teacher's head. Yeah. I, re- I recorded her when it happened because I knew she was going to freak the fuck out. And it's hilarious. <laughs> I put it on my face. I put it on my Facebook. It's, her reaction is so hilarious when she sees that. So oh, funny. I got to share that now. Can I share that to the podcast page? <laughs> of course. Of All course. Right, awesome. Did, did, she start, did she read any of the books or did she just, was she just she never was- saw anything? nothing nothing yeah she she even tried to say she was like i've seen him before she was like we should just start on three and i was like no i was like i was like what's parcel tongue she was like what i was like who's dudley what i'm like you don't know you don't know right. we need to mm-hmm. one. <laughs> square one yeah it's definitely exactly. not one of those those that series that you can watch you can start from the middle you got them watching beginning to end absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. so it's actually funny um my route today was up in Maine. So I was driving through Wyndham, Maine. They got a, one of the last places that has a drive-in theater. And the Wyndham, I think it's Wyndham, uh, the drive-in theater there, Friday and Saturday, they're doing Deathly Harlows part one and two. They're doing a oh, back-to-back nice. marathon all weekend. So they'll do like nice. part one and two, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, however they, they work their movies. So I was nice. like, oh, shit, I want to go up there. But I'm like, wait, I got a really big TV, and it's comfortable, and it's going to rain all weekend. So probably <laughs> not. I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, they're going to have to be releasing a lot of movies for the immediate future with all this uh, writer strike and the actor strike going on. I'm not seeing anything pop up anytime soon. Nope. They are trying to starve the writers out, which is basically what the studios have said. They said once the once the they they stop being able to pay their rent and they're going hungry, they'll come back to us. It was a leaked email. And it's like, son of a bitches, man. Damn. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fucking greedy, stupid BS. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're choking an entire industry. It's not just, I mean, we have stores in Atlanta and Atlanta's the new Hollywood. And man, we're, you know, we you can see the you can see the trends without the people in Atlanta, not, you know, just all the other people that work on the sets, you know, mm-hmm. the grips, the, you know, the the people that just come into town to to work these movies and you know, all all these people are out of work now just just because you don't want to pay the writers more and you don't want to have put a uh uh, a death note on AI in the industry, which I completely understand they should. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, Atlanta. That's Tyler Perry country, right? Yep. Yeah, he's got the huge studio down there. So, yeah, the mm-hmm. whole thing's kind of ridiculous. And I thought about that too with the whole writer's strike kind of tying into this, where you could basically just write a a, a Mark Tufo style zombie novel and the computer mm-hmm. would spit it out. And then a human would go and edit it for a little bit make it tweak it make it right and then print a, you could print a whole book movie screenplay in a week mm-hmm. off of a computer which is total crap that they would do yeah. that. and the you know the fact that the studios want to be able to do that that's kind of mm-hmm. shitty man you know it's uh, a little creepy yeah, yeah. and you, they want to take your image your likeness scan your image and then they can put you as an extra in any movie or tv show and not pay you for it because I give you that them. one time for your image, kind of like they did with James Earl Jones's voice for the Obi-Wan series. But he sold his voice mm-hmm. to, to to Disney, to Lucasfilm, which is why his voice sounded better in Obi-Wan. I don't know if you guys are Star Wars nerds or not. I could just be mm-hmm. totally yeah, off the yeah, rails yeah. on this. Sounded better in Obi-Wan than he did in Rogue One, where he sounded older and slower. Yeah. Um, you know, similar to like Harrison Ford in the new Indiana Jones movie, just you get that old mm-hmm. man, that old man slowness. Yeah. So. The the Picard show. Yeah, I was uh, I listened to the guy just before we come back on track. I listened mm-hmm. to the guy that was writes the terminal list, that show on Amazon that's got Chris Pratt in it. Yeah, um, yeah, I read that. I read, that, read that, that too. Yeah, he said that the um the chat GPT or whatever program it was, he was like, write me the next terminal list book and he's like it wrote it wrote it it wasn't very good but it wrote it but it's only going to get better <laughs> yeah and once it starts learning and shit you know but now we're going to be stuck with reality tv up the wazoo now so get ready for yeah. <laughs> jersey shore <laughs> family vacation five or whatever the hell they're advertising <laughs> on peacock or whatever network that paramount plus mm. oh, i hate that show but anyway my granddaughter was over this weekend. She's a teenager, and she did nothing but binge watch Jersey Shore from the beginning. I'm like, oh my oh god! Gosh. Thank God we're only related by, by marriage. No, <laughs> I'm, kidding, <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. My actually, my real daughter would watch that shit too. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, where were we? Uh, Azil calls Matthew because he knows Mike cannot be left unattended by himself, which I think is fantastic, Hello. and it works Matthew into mm-hmm. it. But the best part I think is Azil's. She's off. She's she's going down the road. She's barely left the house for five minutes. And MJ already gets himself in trouble. And this sets the tone, I believe, for MJ and Aliana's relationship and their role in this series. Because MJ basically, Mike hears an explosion upstairs or hears something. And Aliana goes running by. And he asks, what's going on? And she says, plausible deniability, Dad. Mike sees, Mike sees MJ. And he's covered from head to toe in soot. And the soot will not come off him. And Mike's just kind of laughing like, you know, what happened? I tried to spy on mom. Guess what? You mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have tried to spy on the most powerful being in the entire world right now. 
and she taught you a lesson, you know, and he said, mm-hmm. it'll probably wash off in 24 hours. Your mother's just trying to teach it, teach you a lesson, not to mess with her. But it, it turns out that because MJ tries to spy on Azil, he ends up saving her when she's on the ship. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because she's on the ship and she is going through the thing and she gets captured. And you find out that the whole, uh, you know, witches conference or whatever that it is is a ruse to get a zeal on the ship because somebody wants to kill her mm-hmm. yeah which i feel like the one thing i did i loved how much this book built up mm-hmm. but i also like was really annoyed at how many questions went unanswered mm-hmm. i think he did that intentionally because i think i think with him writing uh 21 zombie fall off 21 and this series at the same time well, remember in Zombie 20, there was an Azil chapter or whatever toward the end with Tommy. And you're like, whoa, how is Azil in this? And if you hadn't read, if you just read Zombie Fallout, you would think, why is the chick that got kidnapped in book four or whatever yep, in this yep. story? How is she talking to Tommy? What the hell is going on? If you didn't read Like and Follow, you don't know that Azil is a witch. You don't know that Azil is powerful. You don't know that Azil is, is everything. So I think he's setting it up that all three of these past stories are all going to converge. And I have a feeling there's going to be one giant, you know, Tryptiverse or Talbotverse or whatever we're going to do. And it's going to be an Avengers level event where everybody's just going to be all in one place. Because if you listen to Maker in this and he's talking to Beelzebub, they're saying, you know, Mike is in different timelines and we're in, there are billions of timelines and, in this timeline, Beelzebub, we're talking, but in another one, you're late. In another one, we're fighting, and you know, Maker and Beelzebub go off on it. And when Mike meets Tim, Tim's like, you know, fuck Tard. Hey, did you kill? Uh, did we fight Yetis in this time? Did did this Mike fight Yetis mm-hmm. in this timeline? Yeah. Like, what the hell are you mm-hmm. talking about? He's like, all right, that's another one. So Tim knows about. The, the timeline and the variances and all of that. And this, this book really kind of goes off. And you, I, I did, I picked up on shit. I listened to this three times since last, since Thursday. And I picked up on stuff each time going, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Wait, this is what the whole maker thing is about. Cause that confused the shit out of me in book, uh, in book five. This is what the whole timeline, you know, spider webs and, and, and stuff is. This is what's happening. And when he ends the story, I'm thinking to myself, he's not going to finish this all in one book. There's going to be, even before I knew there was going to be a seventh book, I knew there was going to be a seventh book. You know, did anybody else pick up on that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I didn't. I I just enjoyed it while it was there. And when it ended on the cliffhanger, I was sad. So. It wrapped up fairly nicely up until that last, what, 45 yeah. seconds? Like, yeah. it, it, everything was peaceful and everything was good. And then 45 yep. seconds, and then... He busts shit. out the Timisode yep. at the end, and you're like, okay, A, he's leaving Tim alone with his children in any way, shape, or form. Uh, something's going on here. But I love, mm-hmm. once again, that Tim is the unlikely hero of this story. He did it in Demon Fallout. He did it in Devil's Desk, and now he's doing it in this one. Yeah, I, I didn't expect um, 
like I, I wasn't surprised when Tim popped up, but I was surprised at how prevalent he was in the book. Like that was yeah. very interesting. That was oh, yeah. very very interesting to me. When they went down, I was to- more surprised that um, Mike kept letting Tim off the hook because there had been a point eventually. I'd been like, "Listen, dude, shut the fuck up before I <laughs> kick the shit out of you." Like, Boom. I don't give a fuck, clown teeth, whatever. Like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Stop yeah. talking about my wife. Stop talking about this shit. You got it. You're, you're doing too much, and you're doing it around my kids now. Like, I'm about to curb stomp your ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one that he eats kids. No one that he eats kids. Daddy keeps calling yeah. him fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Are his teeth still messed up? Like the whole time he's interacting oh, yeah. with kids and everything else. Yeah. I I don't care how well I get along with you. That's gonna be scary as hell. Yeah, that's yeah. horrifying. Mm-hmm. That's horrifying. And I think the best part of the whole Tim thing when Tim Tim wants to make amends and he wants to come back up to Earth. Uh, there's a scene in the book and we're kind of jumping all over the place. And I think this is just going to be one of those shows where we're just talking about what we loved about the story. And you got this far in the series, you kind of know what's happening, but they end up going back down to the underworld to escape the, what the hell are they called? The terrors, the terrors, whatever they are. Yeah. Which is a horrifying fucking thing in itself. Uh, the terrors, but they go down to the underworld and you just hear, Buckdar or Talbot Buck or whatever the hell Tim says. And I'm like, yes, Tim's back. And I was hoping <laughs> when they went to the underworld, when Sebastian took them to the underworld, I was like, please, 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 please. And I heard it. I was just, you know, another one, another time where I just audibly cheered and gave a, mm-hmm. a, a yes while I was in my truck driving that Tim was back in it. But Tim wants to make amends and he wants to be a good person now. And he wants to, well, as good as Tim can be, come back up to the real world. So when he finds Mike and Sebastian down in the underworld, he try he finds out, he hears through the, the demon grapevine that there's a guardian and a Luvier demon together. And he put two and two together and realized that must be Talbot. And he finds mm-hmm. it and saves them once again. Tim saves the day and tells him of his ultimate plan that he wants to, he wants to be better. He wants to be, he thinks he's been reformed. And, you know, Sebastian tells him, listen, hell, the underworld isn't, you know, uh, isn't jail where you go and work out your problems and become a better person after 200 plus years. You're here forever, dude. You know, but <clears throat> somehow he ends up talking Mike and Sebastian into letting him come into the real world with them. And it's really, I don't think it really, it's really, Ali it wasn't really that, like that a negotiation it. process. Held <laughs> <laughs> it over their head. Like, look, you either agree to this or I give you back to the terrors and they're going to be right at the top of this hole when you get out. So yeah. 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 Pretty much. Even when he did get to earth, he got to earth because he kidnapped a guardian. Like, well, he had to, <laughs> Yeah, I think he had to kidnap the guardian because so for those of you that, I mean, if you watch this, you know, this spoilers galore. And I've had people contact me to like, I want to listen to the show, but I haven't listened to this book series yet. And I don't like spoilers. So if you're watching this, you know, the spoilers. So everybody, you guys get the gist of the terrors because I listened to this extensively to try to figure out what the hell they are and what, what, what their purpose is and what they do. But so terrors or however you want to say it, however the, the, they are, um, we're going by the Sean. Um, reading they're kind of like shadow demons and what they do is they wipe 
But if they kill you, they not only kill you in this existence, they kill you in everything you ever did in every other timeline. So let's say there's a mic. Unless you're Mike. Unless, um, yeah, pretty much. If there's a, uh, uh, you know, like at, at the time of the, they're killing the guardians and the one guardian doesn't realize that there were three other guardians there at one time because the terrors killed them. But Mike, I think because he's a Luvier demon still, or part Luvier demon, he can see what was eliminated. He can see the things that were taken away where nobody else can. And it's mm-hmm. Matthew that kind of figures it out that says, wait, you could see the three other guardians, even though the terrors killed them. This is kind of cool or however it works out to be. But to get through the gate, they're going through. Tim grabs the last guardian cat and yeah. jumps through the gate with the cat. And that gate's closed because there's no guardians there. And that guardian, like Sebastian, can kind of go back and forth. This one is stuck here because the gate that it was guarding is now closed. Did I, did I get that right? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Could you imagine? But I, just I don't think the terrors that Mike remembers the terrors because he's a Luvier demon. I think that it's something to do with Mike. You think? Well, yeah, I Mike's don't the whole, think it's... the whole timeline of stuff. It, you, you could be right. You could be right. Chris, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just I was just talking about kind of the perspective from uh, the the cat. I, I don't remember what its name was, but like on, on in hell, it's just this massive beast. And then Tim grabs it, pulls it through the portal, and then it's just a little bitty house cat. Mm-hmm. That freaked me out if I was looking down on something and then looking up to something. Yeah, I realized that it was uh, it, it, it totally changes shape. But yep. I think Tim knows that those things change his shape, doesn't he? Because he's been in the underworld and in the in the above world when he fought with them uh, with Denarth. And he kept calling Sebastian, who kept teasing Sebastian, like, who's a cute little kitty? And Sebastian's like, oh, Jesus, you know, what the hell? <laughs> so, um, but we find out Mike becomes a Luvia demon again, because as he's on... <sighs> A lot happened in this story. We kind of we're going all over the place, and that's kind of how it's working. Like the Mike timeline, we're kind of all over the place. But yeah. they set out. They Aliana tells him that he sees uh, shadow demons or the the Watchers. So they try to find out the Watchers, and I, I I figured this out too after my third go around. The Watchers only come out when something bad is going to happen, and uh-huh. they kind of watch. The, the tragedy that's going on. So what's happening is, so Mike, Matthew, and the kids all go to the neighboring town to find out if they can see anything or if they know anything, and the town's deserted. There's nobody there. Uh, they end up finding Becca, the innkeeper's daughter or the barkeeper's daughter. She's the only one that's there, but she's kind of in a trance. And the horses in the barn and all the animals are slaughtered. It looks like just everybody, like the rapture, just kind of sucked everybody up because they're a half- eaten plates and half drank drinks in the tavern and they try to find out what's going on. So in their course of getting back, um, they have to put a protective bubble against themselves. Uh, MJ Aliana puts a protective bubble around them. So they're protected. Nothing can get at them, but Mike ends up getting in a fight with the lichen. They find out that the lichens are back, that they want to kill human humans again. They want to be at the top of the food chain and everything else. 
Mike challenges one of the Lycan. Now, Mike doesn't have any more vampire blood. He doesn't have any more demon blood. We don't think he's a mere human. When Maker sent him back at the end of the last book, he -hmm. said, you're just going to be a normal person every day, Joe. You're going to be able to get old. You're going to die. You know, the whole cocoon aspect of your life is gone. You're going to grow old and you're going to die. During the fight, Mike sustains a a really bad wound. He's getting his ass kicked because he's just one guy against an eight-foot-high lichen. And MJ tries to put a healing spell on Mike. And during the course of that, the spell that MJ uses on Mike reactivates the Luvier blood, the demon blood, inside of Mike. And Mike ends up kicking the the, the lichen's ass and kills him. And I love the whole part where MJ's like, my dad can beat up your dad. My dad's the toughest dad <laughs> in the world. Because up until that, Mike's a, a, a regular human in a house with three witches that can do magic and do all kinds of crazy crap. I think the kids kind of got not had, didn't have respect for them because all kids think their parents are lame when you're 12 years old. But I think now that Mike is a Luvier demon and MJ saw what he did, he has that admiration for his father. It's like, holy crap, my dad's a superhero, legit. You know, we heard stories about how great my dad was at one point, but we just saw my dad beat the crap and kill a lichen. And as a father, I kind of was like, oh, that's kind of touching the little bastard. Kind of Now he appreciates his father, you know, because now he's gets, he's like, you know, everybody thinks my dad was never cool when he was younger. You know, my dad was lame. My parents were lame when they were younger. And then you find out, no, 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 holy crap. Your parents were actually really cool. You know? Yeah. I love that. I love that part. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the petting scene? Because that was, I like, I, I had to back up and listen to that more than once. <laughs> oh, when they're in the bubble? Yeah. The, yeah the, that was Aliana casts a protective <laughs> bubble where you can't no harm can come to them while they're in this bubble. And MJ being MJ tries to backhand his sister to see if it can, if it can happen. And it stops like slow motion right before it gets to her. And then he just taps her. And that's the protective bubble that, that Allie puts inside the, 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 the little bubble there. So when the lichens try to get in and do it, they can't claw at them. And they're obviously trying to claw at them, you know, really fast. And it ends up just being like little scrapes and pets to them. And Mike's like, screw it. And he starts petting them back and it drives them nuts. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Actually not uh, the spell. It was, uh, it's a natural formation is the one that that yep. is. Oh, is that what that was? I thought it was a spell within the, fo- she oh. cast a spell oh, yeah. while she was in the formation. Okay. Yeah, that one ran out. Yeah, yeah. This was just a, it's a natural formation similar to the ley lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, the ley lines. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, can we talk, can we talk about how uh, MJ had fucking Barney running around the ship? Oh, yes. I love that. Uh, the, and here's the thing. Like, <laughs> I loved Barney growing up, but I can't imagine if I didn't know what Barney was. Mm-hmm. If I was just, and I've never seen any, they, they don't know what the fuck a dinosaur is. They have no frame of reference. Nope. You know what I mean? I couldn't imagine if I saw something like that running around. Like, I'd freak out too. I'd absolutely freak out too. Yeah, they, they had no Jurassic World or anything. 
Nothing. Sorry, Chris, I what were you going to say? Oh, I was, I was just talking uh, on Amber's point. I, I would probably end up in the water. I'd probably jump over ship. <laughs> I, I was crying tears. That's it was so funny. He was like, I just want a hug. And I was yeah. like, fucking die. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like listening to it. My headphones on. I'm doing the dishes. And I'm just yep. fucking crying. And everybody's like. This guy having a is dad having a stroke? Like yeah. what's wrong with him? <laughs> fucking like just Barney running around fucking everybody's world up. I'm like, all right, this there, there's some deep seated issues here that someone's exploring right now. Uh. <laughs> I think that it also really talks about the dynamic between the twins because you got Aliana who's powerful enough, who's powerful enough to project, like give MJ the idea and like the um like the added, like, like, like the way they're working together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, we have to, we have to help out mom. We have to figure out what's going on. And MJ's like, I'm going to astro project Barney onto the ship. And yep. it's like, really? And it just shows their dynamic. Like they're so powerful yet in their own special way. And it just, it, it, it works for them. You know what I mean? I feel like you got a Harmony and Ron going yeah. on here. I thought it was great that of all the things that he could have put on there, you know, you could have put a giant spider, you could have put an actual T-Rex, a monster. Would have been cool if you put like a Gino Jerrion style, just a walking alligator, quote unquote, on the on the deck. But no, he picks Barney the big purple dinosaur. Well, I think it relates back because that's uh that's something that Mike is terrified of. Like mm-hmm. he's in there, he really dad said this was the scariest thing ever. Yeah, which a lot of people, a lot of parents, did you guys have watched that documentary, The I Love You, You Hate Me, that was on Peacock? No. Mm. About Barney. It's a two-part documentary. If you have Peacock, watch it. It is absolutely awesome. If you loved Barney, it's awesome. If you hated Barney, it's awesome. Because it tells the whole story behind it, what happened during it, and then what happened after it. And it is some messed up shit. oh yeah the guy that played barney left barney when the show was canceled and became a tantric sex meditation guru i'm just gonna leave it obvious path all right obvious path but only for adults you know it was a legit business but it's the woman that created barney for her son as a grown-up her son killed his neighbor like Barney Damn. ruined people's lives. It made so many people's lives happy, but it also ruined people's lives. And you don't realize you know, it's the dark side of Barney of being on a of being a child actor Barney curse. and being on a kids show. Yeah, it kind of it, that's kind of what it is. It's it was the curse I need of to Barney. watch that. Oh, you, I you need have to watch that. I love that's, you. That's you hate I me. Love, Everybody watching. I it, fucking love Barney. I fucking love Barney growing up. <laughs> There's a a video of me somewhere. I think on my YouTube page of me doing i did a i did a barney character thing for another podcast where i did a whole script of in the barney voice as barney because i had little kids at the time so my whole thing is how i got into voice acting and doing character voices was i would just do voices of whatever my kids were watching at the time i i would do that for them and i i can do barney to a t it's i love it no it's one of my chronic enjoyments <laughs> you, you want to yeah. hear it oh hell yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. So great to be here on the Chronicles of Michael Tepper podcast. And remember, I love you. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
That was amazing. Hell yeah. That was amazing. That was my body. And when they redid the show, the cartoon, I was so bummed. I'm like, crap, I wish I was deeper into voice acting because I would have loved to have done the voice of Barney. So that's pretty my damn oldest good. daughter loves it. My youngest daughter thinks I'm a total nerd for being able to do that because she doesn't know what Barney is. She knows real dinosaurs, but she doesn't know Barney at all, which thank <sighs> I'm glad I'm glad for that. <laughs> Uncultured. Yeah. Ugh. Should watch real <sighs> dinosaurs instead. Yeah. So um I'm also I think I'm also loving in this book, like I'm all for women power and like badassery. Like that's how I felt when we were talking about Callis Rose. Like I was all for her villain era. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Azil, like not only like like fucking over that kid who was trying to like hit on her and then was like trying to hurt her when he like dissed her, but yep. like I mean dissed him, but like the fact like her could you like I tried to put myself in her situation for a second. You take away my power, you threaten my family, you threaten me, you tie me up, scare the hell out of me, and I almost get like brutally um, uh, uh, victimized on the ship by that freaking guy. And yeah. then it's like, I escape, and then it's like, when she comes back, I'm like, oh, the wrath of a zeal. Like, yep. I supported every second of that, um, of her comeback. Every second of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, was, it was great. It was great. I'm trying to find if I, I put the guy's name. Anybody uh, that was on the ship. Fight that family deserves everything they have coming to them. Like 100%. Like, oh, yeah. How do you know about her, know everything she's capable of doing, and then be like, oh, yeah, I want to I wanna betray her. Yeah, I'll take money over. Yeah. It's, it's the common it's- it's the common sense aspect. Like, I feel like a lot of people just don't have a little bit of common sense. Like, I don't care how much you offered me. I'm like, eh, no, no. Yeah. No. People are dumb like, and they're greedy. And I guess in that day and age, I mean, you could find anybody to do anything to shine a little bit of money. And I think for 10 years wages where you'll never have to be on the open ocean again. I think the guy saw dollar signs and thought I can take care of one little girl. I'm a badass seaman. And I got ringer with me and, He's a tough guy and, you know, we're going to do it. And what ends up happening at the beginning on the ship is Azil gets captured. When she gets captured, they they put an IV in her that dilutes her powers and she can't do anything. And the whole part with MJ with the dinosaur is the kids astro project to see Azil to find out what's going on. And they just want to talk to her about something. And she's like, OK, MJ's an idiot talking to her about whatever the hell it is. And Ali's like, wait. Mom's in trouble. What's going on, Mom? What can we do? And they end up sending her like the elixir of power onto the ship, which I love. It's another, you know, they work in Moxie again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says, yeah, Mom, do you remember when Dad thought it'd be funny if we all tried Moxie? This is a billion times worse. Now drink it and you'll get your power back. <laughs> and she does. And she ends up getting it back and she escapes. And what she does to the guys on the ship, I thought was just so Amazing. badass. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you go, girl. And when she, you know, she grabs ringers by the balls, you know, theoretically, because she's hovering above the ship. If I saw a hot redhead hovering above the ship, I don't care how hot she is. That's terrifying, no matter what language it is in. Uh, but whenever she starts, she grabs him from the bottom of the boat because he's down hiding because he knows he's screwed. And she drags him up by his nuts without touching him. That's horrifying. I love that part. I thought that was awesome. You know, I like the way Mark gives the women the power 
in these stories. It's not a male mm-hmm. macho bravado. I'm a guy and I'm going to protect you little lady. You know, it's, I, I forget which, which episode I said it in, you know, women make all the people, you know, if you listen to it was, uh, on the Joe Rogan special, he said that it's like women make all the people. Women are the toughest, best, you know, what, mm-hmm. toughest people on the planet. I wouldn't endure childbirth. No, thank you. I don't want to bleed once a month and have stomach cramps. I, I was doing sit-ups a little while ago when I got a stomach cramp for like a second. And I stopped. <laughs> I'm like, my workout's done. <laughs> I'm done. You know, I've completed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my tent's oh, enough man. for me. I'm good. I don't want stomach cramps for a week. None of that. No, thank you. You know what the sad part is? You get used to it, and then you're just like, "Fuck it." You're just like, "Whatever." You're over uh, it. No, I don't know. If yeah, I but I've gotten to the point where the the guys, the guys, um, the guys at my job, like they know they're either bringing like candy or something, or like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like, when when I don't come in happy and shit, they're like, "Oh shit!" He's like, "Ever you want something? You want something store? Get some, get some snacks." We're I'm gonna like, be yeah, nice I'm to her. She's gonna yeah. kill us. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Amber, are you representing Boston with the Sam Adams Oktoberfest? I just love Sam Adams, period. Like, Oktoberfest is delicious. I, had to go to I love Oktoberfest. Yeah, I had to go to Corona's for a little bit just because last week it was hot as fuck. And I'm like, I can't drink October beers right now. It's not, it's not, my body's not going for it. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I had to break it out now. It's a cool 70 right now. So I think I can, I can break them back out now. Yeah, it's like when they put out the, the pumpkin spice lattes at the end of August. It's like, no, 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 stay in your lane. One season, it's, not, <laughs> it's too soon for Halloween. For, for yeah, fall I to, shit right now, okay? I, I waited until October first to get mine. Uh, thank you. Well, I did. Close enough. Close enough. September first, you mean, right? Not October. Septem- oh yeah, shit. Yeah, September first. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, wait, did I t- time jump? What, what are we doing here? So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we I, went, I waited till September first. Yeah, <laughs> we went looking for uh, Halloween decorations for the house this year, and they already got Christmas shit out. And my daughter, who's gonna be twelve next <laughs> week, she's like. Why do they have Christmas stuff out already? It's not even Halloween. And I gave her a great big hug in the middle of the store. And I'm like, this is why I love you. One holiday Uh at a time, (laughs) child. But I'm trying to explain Uh to her that they put the Christmas stuff out because Christmas is where they make all the monies. That's a big money grab. I'm like, you get a little bit of Halloween (laughs) stuff. They don't give a crap about Thanksgiving. They'll put a couple of turkeys and stuff like that out. And one of those little corn conges with the apples and crap inside of it. But it's it's Christmas time, you know, right after Halloween. And I do I'm I'm a one holiday, one holiday at a time kind of guy. And I think Mike would be a one holiday at a time kind of guy. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday too. I love it, dude. It's got the the best food. Oh, absolutely. Ugh. I love mm-hmm. turkey. Aaron, you a Thanksgiving guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. We always do it big for Thanksgiving. <laughs> we have a bunch of friends and people over. I start, I get up at like six o'clock in the morning do the turkey i invite i mean i usually just throw an open invitation out of my facebook like hey it's thanksgiving if you guys don't have somewhere to go you can come to the house and yep. i think the most we ever had was 30 people um but i mean it's usually just uh, people in the garage you know have people out back have people in the living room people in the dining room just kind of everywhere that's kind That'd of our fun. thing I, I, yeah I, I like a full house during a, uh you know holidays and stuff like that um yeah. i just I, I, I always enjoy it i think it's great Awesome. So, I think the best part, well, I keep saying the best part, but Tim is the best part. I think the best part of this book. I don't think the book would be as good if he didn't bring Tim back. I don't want to see I mean, here. I, I don't want a version where Tim isn't in this story. I mean, I was thoroughly surprised that he was actually fucking helping. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. Like I can't, oh man, it was it was great. Like I'm I'm not gonna lie, is this this book made me actually um I don't wanna say like, so I'm say right underneath a like, whatever that word is. Yep. Ten. And I did read the first ten books. Um I'm tired of you telling me I need to read them. So I read I did read the first <laughs> ten books and I was like, all right. But he, you know, he 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 is a staple character. Like he just kind of he makes it, you know what I mean? He makes it just go a little bit further in this series. And I think that there's just, there's so much that happens in this book. It's like, why not try to perform a, a demon uh, clown zombie? Why mm-hmm. not perfect to throw it in the middle of a life and war with uh, literally ungodly creatures running around the earth? He adds the comic element to the story. You know, yeah. Mike, Mike yeah. is funny in himself. MJ and the banter with them. But I think Tim takes it up a notch, especially in this story where it's you have that there's more interaction with Tim in this one than Mike has with him in Devil's Desk. And I love Tim yeah. in Devil's Desk. I thought he was great. Awesome in Devil's Desk. Yeah. 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 I can't wait. I'm kind of I'm hoping. Fingers crossed that he somehow finds a way to bring Tim back in Devil's Desk, too. Yeah. I'm also like I think one of the things that was like a little bit confusing like, I really wish Mike would have taken a day to fuck around with his powers to figure out what the hell Luvier Blood actually does for him. Yeah. Like, in, in the last, like, in Fallout, he did do some cool shit with it, you know, Fireblade and shit and stuff. Great. But it's like, what does that mean now for you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, take a couple, take a day, you're already traveling, take some time to fuck around with it, you know? And I think that would have made more of an impact because that was like, because I, I, I think personally, I'd be scared shitless. You know what I mean? I, I'm not half of it. I'm not half a vamp anymore. I have two kids um, that I need to protect right now, and Matthew and Matthew at the same time. Like I'm literally the weakest one, but I have. We got three kids. Number. Three kids, yeah, because the girl too. Yeah, so you. Yeah, like, yeah. I have this little She's the worst one. Power. She's fucking annoying. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. But I, but I think I would have liked to get a little bit more uh, information about what that Luvier um, information, because that's completely made up in Mike in Mark's mind. So it's like, I'd like to know a little bit more of what the hell that actually means. I think we're going to find out when the next book comes out, because when you get the whole thing, the, the whole parts with Maker is leading me to believe that there's going to be an epic battle. But mm-hmm. I like how Mark's vision of like what heaven is and what angels and demons are and what god is and what the devil is where it's you know lucifer and now he wants to be hip and go by lou and he wears border shorts and a hawaiian shirt and sunglasses and you know knee high striped socks gym socks and maker made lucifer so maker made everything but apparently if i picked up on it correctly the uh demon the not the demons the Uh. (laughs) what's up mark what's going on you have been listening to the chronicles of michael talbot the podcast 
Copyright 2023 by Chestnut Hill Studios. Hosted by Jeff Royds. Technical advisor, Mary Napoli. Music by Burnt Ends. The Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast, is property of Chestnut Hill Studios, and no part of the show can be remixed, rewind, remastered, rebroadcasted without the express written consent of Chestnut Hill Studios. Follow the show on Facebook at The Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review. It does help other people find the show. Make sure to check out all the other titles from Mark Tufo at marktufo.com or at audible.com. Or if you're one of those people that still buys books, they are all available up at Amazon and they'll be delivered to your house, which is convenient. That is the end of the show. You may now go about your normal day.